Uninformed immigrants are at a huge disadvantage in court, in financial and legal matters, and also sometimes in life. Well, what can we do about it? I'll tell you what. We can train, teach, inspire, and empower immigrants to maximize their lives regardless of their immigration status. And that's exactly what we're going to do here. I am your immigration lawyer and host, Otis Landerholm, and this is the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. On this episode, we're going to see an episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live, which is a webcast that I do every Thursday on Facebook and on YouTube for the immigrant community. If you have any immigrant questions or immigration questions, feel free to join us on Thursday for the next one. And for now, enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome, and thank you all so much for being here. Thank you all so much for being here. Welcome to another episode of Deportation Defense Live. I'm your host, Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding immigration attorney here at Landerholm Immigration, APC, where we fight for your American dream. And thank you so much for being here with me. It is the 15th of March of 2022, all right? Shakespeare said, beware the Ides of March. All right, I think Julius Caesar was assassinated on this day in history. You got to know your history, people. So, uh, <laughs> so anyway, welcome, and thank you so much for being here with me. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about marijuana, and my question that I want to put out there is, does marijuana make you deportable in 2022? And so I want to look at that. And so, but first, you know, welcome. Everybody, thank you so much for being here. Welcome to my friends on Facebook. Welcome to my friends on TikTok. Welcome to my friends here on Instagram. Welcome to everyone on YouTube, of course, the YouTube. So thanks to everybody for being here. Um, Welcome to another episode of Deportation Defense Live. The Deportation Defense Live is here to train to teach, to inspire, and to empower immigrants who are facing deportation, to make the most out of immigration law, to make the most out of their lives, and to win their cases, ladies and gentlemen. Are you facing removal in immigration court? Do you know someone who's facing removal in immigration court? If so, you know it's not easy. It is an uphill battle. The laws are against us. All right? And, and here in our firm and here at this live event every week, we are here to maximize your chances of winning that case. All right, and we're here to do that because we believe in you and we believe in your value here to our society and we want you to freaking win that case, all right? So uh, thank you to all the immigrants out there. Immigrants make our world better. We need more of them. All right, we need more of them. We need more people who are willing to open their minds to like go and travel and see a new place and learn about a new culture and like, and like, you know, like, hello, here I am. These are my thoughts and my beliefs and it helps everybody open their minds. That's the power of immigration. And so we got to recognize it. We got to support it. We got to love our immigrants, everybody. We got to love immigrants. So today our theme is does marijuana make you deportable 
in 2022. What do you think? What do you think? Huh? And now thanks to everyone who asked their questions. We've got 30 minutes to discuss this topic in English, and then we'll do this episode in Spanish. Si usted habla español, que venga otra vez en 30 minutos. All right? So awesome. You know, we're talking about marijuana. Uh, Before we get into it, I want to go over the basics. All right? You ready for the basics, everybody? The basics are that marijuana and immigration do not mix. All right? It is like a bad idea. You don't want to mess with marijuana if you are uh, an immigrant in the United States. Okay? If you're an immigrant, don't use it, even for medical purposes, even if your state may have passed a law saying that marijuana is quote-unquote legal. It's not legal under federal law. It's still a quote-unquote controlled substance as defined by the Federal Controlled Substances Act. Don't use it. It causes deportability, causes inadmissibility. That's like the big basics. Now, to, um, to give you, to go a little bit further into the nuance, to go a little bit further into the nuance, thanks for everybody joining in, all right? You got to know that immigration laws treat people differently if that person has already been admitted legally into the United States, all right? If you've been admitted to the United States, it's harder for the government to take away your benefit. It's harder to become, quote-unquote, deportable. So my question today is, does marijuana make you deportable in 2022? But the first question to answer that is, have you already been admitted Were you already lawful? Like, do you have a green card? Do you have a valid visa that's unexpired? You're here, you know, in some kind of lawful status, all right, which DACA and TPS, by the way, are not, quote-unquote, admissions. You got to be aware of that. So the first question is, have you already been admitted? Because if you were not previously admitted, and if you're not currently in immigration status, then you're already, quote-unquote, deportable as defined by the Immigration Nationality Act. You know, most of our clients are, all right? If you're undocumented, if you've overstayed a visa, if you violated the terms of a visa in any way, then you're already deportable, quote-unquote, all right, as defined by Section 237A of the Immigration Nationality Act. Got it? But imagine that you've got a green card, all right? Imagine you've already been admitted, All right, and imagine whatever your admission status, it's still valid. And now you're asking the question, hey, marijuana has been lawful, legalized in my state. Is it okay for me to do it? Would it affect my immigration status? If that's the situation, and if that's your question, I want to answer that question right now. All right, are you ready for this? All right. Section 237A2B, all right, says that any, they use the word alien in the code, but any immigrant who at any time after admission has been convicted of a violation of any law or regulation of a state, all right, the United States or any foreign country 
relating to a controlled substance. And then it says, other than a single offense involving possession for one's own use of 30 grams or less of marijuana, all right, is, quote unquote, deportable. Got it? Should I say that a whole thing again? All right. Any immigrant who at any time after admission has been convicted of a violation of any law or regulation of a state or the United States or a foreign country relating to a controlled substance other than a single offense involving possession for one's own use of 30 grams or less of marijuana is deportable. That's a, you know. And then there's another provision. There's another provision. It says any immigrant, any alien is the term that they used, any immigrant is the word I'll use, uh, who is or at any time after admission has been a drug abuser or addict is deportable. All right? So what are we talking about there? What are we talking about? We're t gosh, how do I put all of that legalese into just normal speech, right? Basically, if you've been convicted of anything, anything related to marijuana where it was more than 30 grams, all right, or it was more than a single offense, then you're going to be deportable, okay? And if you've ever been an abuser or an addict, but you weren't convicted, right, but you've just been an abuser or addict, and they ask you that question, and you say, yeah, I was an abuser of marijuana, then they will find you deportable for that too, and they could take away your immigration status. They could take away your green card. They could put you into deportation proceedings, all right? And now if you were in that process, there potentially could be options still. You could potentially be eligible for cancellation of removal, right? But, um, but it's not easy, okay? So um, you got to know that uh, uh, that is, and I'll, I'll go back to the first thing that I said, that's what makes a person deportable, but you got to know, all right, you got to know that even just using, just using once, all right, marijuana, even if there was no arrest, even if there was no conviction, it can still make you inadmissible. Basically, it can screw you over, all right, if you're undocumented, if you are trying to apply for an immigration benefit. Because remember, I said it at the beginning here also, the law treats people differently. If they're undocumented, then you've got to be, you've got to be, you've got to show a stronger showing. You've got to show that you're not inadmissible to be eligible for the visa, to be eligible for a green card, to be eligible for some kind of status. But if you've already won your green card, all right, and now you've got some problem that's happened, marijuana use, for example, it's a harder thing for the government to take that benefit away from you and make you deportable. Got it? That's all I'm going to say about it. Basically, you know, as I started out, immigration and marijuana don't mix. Immigration and drugs don't mix, right? If you're an immigrant, any drug use at all, like, don't do it, all right? I don't care if it's just for medical purposes and you might even have a medical marijuana card and I don't care if it's legal in the state where you live, 
all right? Like, it can still totally destroy your immigration case. you got to be aware of it, and it can even cause people to be put into deportation proceedings. Got it? Got it? Now you know. you got to know, all right? And there are some advanced strategies about it. If that issue, um, you know, if you're going through a green card application process and you're dealing with that issue, uh, have an expert and give us a call. We'd love to help you with it. All right. Okay. That's it, everybody. Ask me your questions now, because now I'm going to pivot and I'm going to start, I'm going to start answering your questions. And so, um, the first question I have comes from Tree, T-R-I, do I say that right? Tree, I think is your name. Tree, your question. Thank you for asking it. All right. You say, hi, Otis. I have a question. I got a final removal back in 2006. And then I got a pardon from the California governor and I got my green card back. All right. First of all, good job on that. And so the question is, can I still be eligible to apply for citizenship? All right. Under the three-year rule. Thank you. Can I? So that's a great question. First of all, Tree, really, thank you for asking that question. One, congratulations on getting your pardon. That is huge and very good. Second, you don't need to apply under the three-year rule. The three-year rule for citizenship means that you're living um, uh, in marital union with a United States citizen, and you can apply for, um, for citizenship after only three years of having a green card. It looks like you got your green card back in 2006, am I right? So it looks like you can apply under the normal, straight-up, five-year rule. It's simpler to do it, okay? So I would apply under the five-year rule if you can, and then... Uh, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be eligible for it. Um, we'd love to look at that issue a little bit more carefully to give you good advice about it. But um, yeah, I think that you should be eligible as long as you can show that you've had good moral character for the last five years, as long as you can show that you can pass the um, civics and the uh, English uh, tests that they ask you in the citizenship process. As long as you know, you can show that your green card was lawfully gotten, and as long as you can show that you haven't spent more than six months in any one time outside the United States and the other physical presence requirements, um, and if you've been paying your taxes and such, yeah, you can be eligible for citizenship, okay? And we can go, like, through the full checklist uh, and make sure that uh, each of the uh, requirements for citizenship are met, but it sounds like they probably would be, Okay. So thank you, Tree. I hope that's helpful. If we can help you with your citizenship process, give us a call. We do it all the time. All right? So great. Uh, and we'd love to look into the uh, pardon that you got as well um, and, you know, run your records and things like that just so that we know for sure uh, that we are giving you complete advice about your citizenship eligibility. Okay? The next question that I have here comes from Jane. Jane, thank you so much for asking it. You say, good morning. I received a decision from the board. I think you're saying the Board of Immigration Appeals. Denying my petition, saying that I did not meet the heavy burden of proof to reopen proceedings, and my removal is now in effect, and I was unable to respond by March the 2nd. What other options do I have at this point? Gosh, okay. So March the 2nd, it's now March 15th. Um, to give you a good uh, answer to that, uh, I would need to 
look over your case and I would need to really discuss it in more depth with you, Jane. First of all, you want to know you're not alone in your situation. Um, it sounds like there was a motion to reopen filed. It sounds like that reopening was denied. Um, normally, you can just try one motion to reopen, and so you might not be eligible for anything, but you can get around the one uh, motion limit in certain instances. So, for example, if there was ineffective assistance of counsel before, or if we ask DHS to join the motion, or if we ask the board to reopen sua sponte, there are potentially ways around the one motion limit, but it's not easy to do. And so, Jane, the, the only way that I could really help you is by first reviewing everything in your whole file and seeing, okay, was that motion to reopen done properly? Was it done well? Is there anything we could do to make it stronger or to give you better chances? Um, and then you could potentially try it again. Okay, all right. The next question um, is straightforward. It's from Jesus. He says, how long would it take to get a U visa? Jesus, thank you for asking that question. The truth is U visas take a long, 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 long time. Uh, right now, there are over 150,000 U visas pending. The government can only approve 10,000 per year. So just doing the math, it's a 15-year process. Got it? 15 years. Like, where are you going to be in 2037? 2037, all right? That's when you could get your visa fully approved, theoretically, unless the law changes, which it might, unless... Um, you know, lots of those cases that are currently filed get denied, then you could have your case approved slightly earlier also. And Jesus, just so you're super clear about it, you can get authorized for employment, you can get certain benefits during the process, so it's still worth doing it, all right? Um, and sometimes the U visa is the only and best legal option and legal strategy for lots of different people. Plus, it comes with enormous benefits, right? Um, you don't have to leave the United States to get it. You can adjust your status after three years of having it. You can be eligible for citizenship in the future. You can include spouses and children in your case. Like, there's a lot of good benefits. It can waive certain things that no other visas can waive. Um, so that's, there's a lot to discuss about U visa strategy and if we can help you with your U visa case, I'd love to do it, all right? Um, it's just a phone call away, folks, all right? Just call our phone, call our number. We'd love to, we'd love to help you. So um, the next question I see here comes from Rocio. Rocio, you say, can my deported husband who served prison time apply for a U visa to return to the U.S.? All right? And then you say he witnessed a murder when he was 15 years old and testified. All right, Rocio, thank you for asking this question. A person who was deported can, yes, apply for a U visa. And if that visa is approved, it can waive any inadmissibility or deportability grounds, all right, and including prison sentences to allow a person to re-enter the U.S., but it's got to be a super strong U visa. That's, that's thing number one there. But, Rocio, thing number two there is, you say he witnessed 
a murder when he was 15 years old and testified. That's horrible and awful. And you got to know that the U visa is a visa for people who have been the victims of certain crimes here in the U.S. It is not a visa for people who have been the witnesses of certain crimes here in the U.S. Should I say that again, everybody? Want to be clear about this? The U visa is a visa for people who have been the victims of certain qualifying crimes here in the United States and cooperated with law enforcement in the investigation or prosecution of those crimes. The U visa is not a visa for people who have been witnesses of certain crimes here in the United States, even if they cooperated in the investigation or the prosecution. Got it? Victims, not witnesses. So you gotta be, you gotta look at the police report. Was he just listed as a witness? Or was there any argument that he was potentially a victim there also? Like maybe he witnessed the murder right next to him, and maybe he was the victim of an attempted murder. Or maybe he was the victim of some kind of an assault. Or maybe he was the victim of some kind of an th- a threat. If he was just a witness, no go. But if he was also a victim of something, some related crime in there, then he could have a visa, and we could get him back. All right, got it? That's the way it works. That's the way it works. It is 1029. All right, I am out of time, everybody. I am out of time. Maybe I'll have time for one more. All right, my next client, or my next, uh, my next question comes from Uma. All right, she says, I've been here for the past 25 years. I can't get my green card. My daughter is a U.S. citizen. Uma. All right, Uma, thank you for asking that question. I'm sorry you're in that situation. You've been here for the past 25 years. You can't get a green card. My daughter's a U.S. citizen. So my question for you, Uma, is why can't you get a green card? If your daughter's a citizen, once your daughter turns 21, she can petition for you. The question is, can you use that petition? And the answer to that question depends on your situation, Uma. It depends on your situation. So if you have certain inadmissibility issues, if you have certain deportability issues, if you've committed fraud, if, you've commi- you know, if you have a crime in the past, if there's some issue that you've got to work through, we've got to talk it over. We've got to look at it carefully. I'd love to help you with it to at least explore your options, to see, to determine conclusively whether or not you should file a case. And maybe, uh, you know, maybe there is no option, but maybe there is one. All right, maybe there is one. And so let's get to the bottom of it. All right, and to do that, Uma, it just takes a phone call. Give us a call. We'd love to uh, work with you. We'd love to help with you, help you. And we got to do that by starting with a consultation. So everybody, thank you so much. That's all we have time for today. If I, if I haven't answered your question, I still will. All right, I love answering people's questions. To see the other answers, please go to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe to our channel in YouTube. Hit that notifications bell so you can see uh, when we up do, upload other, uh, uh, other live episodes and also other YouTube videos. If this was helpful, please give us a thumbs up on our YouTube channel and please do subscribe to it. And if you have an immigration case, please give us a call. We are here to help. All right. So thank you all so much. The last thing I'll say, please remember 
immigration and marijuana do not mix, immigration and drugs do not mix, like don't, don't, don't mix those, all right? Don't mix those. We want to win your immigration status, and those things can destroy your chances. So thank you so much for being with me. I'm Otis Landerholm. I'm the founding attorney here at Landerholm Immigration, APC, where we fight for your American dream. We'll see you next week on the next episode of the Empowered Immigrant Live. Thanks to everybody on Instagram. Thanks to everybody on YouTube, Facebook, TikTok. Love you all. We'll see you. We'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Immigrant Podcast. If you like what you heard and if you want to learn more, please go to landerhomeimmigration.com forward slash podcast.